Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur with me every week, and this time as well is J.B. Scott. And today we're going to be talking about the NFL trade deadline, the Rams making no moves this year. We're going to be talking about Odell Beckham Jr., where he could be headed as this month he's expected to be ready for some sort of football. That was the expectation, at least. And we'll talk about the Buccaneers and how the Rams will move forward and ahead at three and four. Will they come back in the NFC West as the Seahawks lead the division at five and three, followed by the 49ers at four and four? And as I said, the three and five Buccaneers are on deck. But first, JB, the trade deadline was on Tuesday. The Rams did not make any moves. They didn't even trade Cam Akers, which has some element of surprise, you know, just because you would think that the Rams would take a seventh round pick for him, but it also wouldn't bode well for, you know, teams to be giving up stuff for a running back who maybe hasn't played well enough to be in a league. I mean, to be honest, the Rams are 32nd in rushing by almost any measure and Cam Akers can't break through to be the savior or even a help for the Rams. And there could be other elements added into that, but we haven't seen Cam Akers play especially well since his return from a torn Achilles. So when you look at it from that perspective and the fact that the Rams were ready and willing and able to start and play Ronnie Rivers when Daryl Anderson was out sick or, you know, not out entirely, but sick, and Cam Akers still on the roster, still taking up one of the 53s. Um, there was no return to Cam Akers last week in the loss to the 49ers. So very interesting situation there, but no Cam Akers trade. Are you surprised? Not at all surprised. So as a former second round pick, if he cannot emerge as the best back in this stable of running backs on this Rams roster, why would, would anyone else in the NFL want you on their team? Because uh, the Rams are willingly giving Malcolm Brown carries over Cam Akers at this point. And uh, the Rams, Sean McVay's public comments really brought down Cam Akers' trade value too. So uh, in some ways, the Rams shot themselves in the foot and um, whatever capital they were going to get back in exchange for Akers was pretty minimal other than throwing he was a toss in for a bigger part of a deal for maybe a Bradley Chubb or Brian Burns. And those trades just never came together. Chubb obviously headed to Miami now. Yeah, Chubb headed to Miami, Burns staying put, you know, the rumors there being that the Rams offered two first round picks uh, once again for a player. And that would have been interesting, obviously, for the Rams to, you know, once again, bow out of a draft many years down the line. You know, there would be a full decade between first round picks if that was the case between Derek Goff in 2016 and then not having another first round pick, if that had been the case until 2026, 
which is still so far into the future. Uh, for now, the Rams still have their 2024 first round draft pick. And, you know, Carolina, as I saw it, you can't, you know, oh, yeah, you give up Brian Burns, but then you're waiting until 2024 and 2025, not knowing if you're going to have pick one or pick 32, not knowing, you know, what you, the status of the team will be at that point. I mean, the Panthers are just won a game and, and they've looked okay with PJ Walker. And so, trading their best pass rusher may, you know, one of their most valuable defensive players and players in general, you know, for picks way down the line, you know, that's maybe the only reason the Rams couldn't get a trade done that they've already traded their first, uh, first round pick in 2023. And it would have been, you know, an acquisition like Burns clearly like Jalen Ramsey would be something that the Rams are looking for. Hey, maybe it doesn't help them get to the playoffs or the Super Bowl this year, but maybe in a year or two, that could have been the case with Burns. Um, So with Bradley Chubb, it feels like he's a little less impactful maybe than uh, Brian Burns and more of an injury concern, undoubtedly. But did you think that either of those edge rushers um, could have raised the level of, you know, play by the Rams, you know, because the defense, while people have their issues maybe with the play calling or the schemes or whatever it may be, certainly having another edge rushing talent we saw with Von Miller could change the outlook of the defense. But JB, I mean, still the problems are on the offensive line and the running game and the receivers and, and whatnot, right? That's a good way to put it. You know, this is one of the worst offenses in the entire NFL. But in some ways on defense, you're playing with one hand tied behind your back where, you know, pass rush and coverage work in tandem, of course. And, you know, this the secondary is getting exposed down the field now because the pass rush isn't doing their job. And Justin Hans and Terrell Lewis really haven't been effective during their opportunities this season. And really the play that comes to mind to me, and we talked about it with Chris Daniel on the initial reaction podcast after the game is, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has a scramble drill. He really extends the play and finds Christian McCaffrey, you know, four, five seconds after the snap of the ball. And that's just really indicative of a lack of pass rush. Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, uh, you know, can't do it all on their own. Leonard Floyd had his first two sacks of the year. Maybe he's getting healthy after the bye week, and that's encouraging to see. But you need another threat to emerge outside of those guys. And from the sample size we've seen from Justin Hans, Terrell Lewis over the last several years and, you know, through seven games this season, they just they're not going to get it done. You need you should have made a move probably. And if you didn't make one this year, uh, probably need to find something uh, to improve your defense over this offseason or later down the road. Yeah, and how that happens is still unpredictable. You know, the Rams don't have their first round pick. They seem to be willing to, you know, trade their day two picks if the right player came along and, you know, the trade deadline, thankfully, maybe uh, for, you know, for any fans just wanting and a lot of people, a lot of Rams fans happy to see that the Rams did stand pat, whether that's based on their own uh, desire or just the unwillingness for any teams to make any trades with the Rams, as we saw, maybe the Rams did lose out to Christian McCaffrey and Burns and Chubb, as you said. So, you know, how much the Rams really wanted to make those moves and how much they'll be willing to part with next year. You know, there's always ways to maneuver the salary cap, but 
they're running out of ways, you know, the, the compared to the Bears, who have a hundred million in cap space, also a pretty bad roster, you know. Uh the Rams have no money and will need to maneuver to make space. And when you look at it, it's uh it's hard to say just like what is that margin of difference between the three and four Rams and the three and five Bears? You know, I think right now. Um, we're seeing that Matthew Stafford is about as I would say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford behind this offensive line and no running back and one wide receiver is pretty much as valuable as Justin Fields. I mean, there's just very little difference because Stafford just cannot do anything of uh, enough to uh, raise the play because he's just not getting the time in the pocket and the play from his tight ends and receivers like he was getting last year. And even like he got many times with the Detroit lions. So, you know, unless the Rams find ways to improve the offense around Stafford, you know, I don't know how big that difference is between the Rams and these teams that I've expected to be among the worst in the NFL. Like, the Bears, you know, so how how big of a difference right now, you know, because we've just gotten past the trade deadline and the Rams are standing pat. Um, how big of a difference do you think you see between the Rams and the bottom of the NFC or the Rams in the top of the NFC? Yeah, your conversation on Justin Fields right there really made me think that despite the Rams struggles on the ground, you know, it seems like the Bears, seems like the Giants with Daniel Jones the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, you can lean on the design runs in the quarterback game to supplement the production you're getting from your running backs. And if one isn't working, you can lean on the other. And really it just takes the pressure off the quarterback and allows, you know, throwing lanes down the field to open up eventually. But something I think you've done a great job pointing out is just how the Rams have struggled in the draft process. And maybe there's some concerns in this front office after they've lost talent with Brad Holmes and such, but the Rams, the trade, the trades they used to make over the middle of the season, they were exploiting market inefficiencies, right? And they found that, you know, they're, these future picks, you don't know how they're going to turn out. You know, they're 50-50 propositions at best that you're going to get a good player or a bust. You're better off trading for known commodities, proven star players, veteran players. And, you know, the rest of the NFL has catched up in that, caught up in that regard. to where, you know, they understand those inefficiencies and it's no longer, you know, an inefficient market. It's, uh, there's a lot of people in that, space willing to make those deals and in a lot of ways it's driven the price up so now the rams if they want to be successful moving forward probably need to lean on the draft process and their scouting to find the players and you know if draft picks are now worth more then you have to you have to hit on them and they haven't done that in recent years you know this is a team that's devoid of speed and star talent based on the players that they drafted and, you know, the people you're putting on the field behind these star players, you know, on defense, you're so top heavy between Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, the others, the other eight players just aren't living up to the expectation that's been set on this team, especially on the Super Bowl squad last year. Yeah, it's it's something that, you know, I, I hate to harp on the Rams drafts, but it's been impossible not to do it. You know, I wrote about it again this week and why I think the Rams need to do some sort of overhaul with their draft strategy, with their scouting department, how much of this is related to the losses that they had out of the front office when Brad Holmes went to the Lions is unclear. But I, what is clear is, you know, the 20 
22 draft class has only provided one player of note, which is Darren Kendrick. And these are rookies and you give them time and, and all that. But hey, the Rams are looking up at the Seahawks in the division and they've got Tariq Woolen and, and Kobe Bryant. And these were day three picks starting for them at cornerback. Tariq Woolen has four interceptions. Kobe Bryant has four forced fumbles. Um, they're getting help from all kinds of rookies, second round picks, uh, you know, guys that they've picked up off the scrap heap, like Michael Jackson, another cornerback out there. And even some of the guys in, in recent years, you know, so it's like looking at it from that perspective, we're looking at it from the 49ers perspective, who they've had so many hits uh, on day three, like uh, George Kittle or on day two, like Fred Warner and Debo Samuel. And the Rams have had these picks, you know, they're trading their first round picks, but look at the 49ers right now. They, they're still a competitive, you know, they look more competitive right now. They've swept the Rams and they're, they're, they're they traded all their first round picks for Trey Lance, who does nothing. So, you know, it, you got to do better in those draft classes. And it brings me back, unfortunately, to, you know, a time before Sean McVay, where the Rams drafted Tavon Austin eighth overall. The Rams drafted uh, Greg Robinson, second overall. So, you know, some would say also like, yeah, trade those first round picks because you're not that good at drafting, but you know, the Rams not being good at drafting sometimes doesn't make up for it by then trading those picks for players who, who may not live up to the same value as, you know, a good first round pick, which is where it gets tricky when it's like you trade two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Yes. You might get four years of Jalen Ramsey uh, at a high price for most of those years, but you could have also potentially gotten five cost controlled rookie years out of two different players. So 10 controlled years, if the Rams had managed to find good players with both of those first round picks. So they don't have those first round picks next year. They're going to need to do something on day two because Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, these are picks at positions on day two that should have some sort of value. Uh, I know that there's a lot of talk maybe just about whether or not the Rams uh, are getting enough speed on the defense or speed and or if they're, you know, obviously there's always a lot of talk about, well, the, the Rams, I wish they would draft a offensive lineman and, and, you know, bring up the same name over and over again, but there's other names too. Is there anything that you feel, JB, like as a draft strategy, um, you would like to see the Rams change? Well, I think the thing that stands out to me is that whenever Les Snead was drafting for the Jeff Fisher coaching staff, he was obviously a lot less successful. But when Sean McVay comes in, it kind of felt like McVay gave him marching orders where go find me this type of player, maybe a slot receiver, and you got Cooper Cup in the third round. Go get me you know, this middle linebacker who can play in the coverage as well as he can against the run. And they go get an Ernest Jones on defense. And when it, whenever you start running the Brandon Staley type of scheme, the Vic Fangio type of scheme, you've rebuilt your secondary by bringing in the Kobe Durant's, the Darion Kendricks of the world. You know, you've drafted a number of safeties the last several years. So, but whenever I think about the plan moving forward, uh, what is the Rams plan moving forward? What is this offense trying to be? Is are you trying to excel in the quick game? Well, I'm not really sure that's what your roster is built for at this point. You're built for those explosive plays and pushing the ball down the field. And that's exactly what defenses are trying to take away from you. You need speed to do that. And having guys like Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, those aren't guys that can always take the top off the defense. They're more short to intermediate route runners. And uh, 
this running back stable. The Ram does Sean McVay even know how to evaluate running backs? I think is a fair question when you look at the number of players that they've drafted, the Daryl Hendersons, the Cam Akers, and such. But um, when was the last time the Rams, outside of Todd Gurley, drafted a running back and that we were surprised by their production? It's always been so underwhelming. So uh, I think there's a lot of complaints that you can make about this team's you know draft process and selections and the execution of those. Maybe the development once they even get in. But I would encourage fans to think about what is this team trying to be moving forward what's the plan on offense what's the scheme on defense and how do you you know draft for that and you know does this jive with having such a top heavy roster especially like we mentioned the top three players on defense and you have pretty much Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup on offense yeah we didn't see a lot of uh running backs moved I mean how many you know we don't usually see I guess relatively we did see kind of a, a lot of running backs move on on Tuesday Naheem Hines uh who had been rumored with uh the Rams Chase Edmonds uh Jeff Wilson leaving the 49ers and, and getting out of the division uh as he heads to the Miami Dolphins but JB, I, I posted uh, last month a list of all the free agent running backs that would come next year. And you mentioned whether or not Sean McVay is good at evaluating running back talent, which, you know, we have the draft picks to talk about. We have, you know, uh, Sony Michelle to talk about. We have the, you know, we'll see what there's late round picks like Jake Funk and Kyron Williams, and we'll see how Kyron Williams turns out. You know, Jake Funk didn't really have any sort of impact on the offense, probably didn't look that good at all when he was out there for the most part uh, in training camp and in preseason and uh, in limited opportunities in games. But what do you think would be the best opportunity for the Rams? Because we know the Rams are not afraid to go after any player of any status, right? So there's nobody that I think we can scratch off as being an impossibility. And even if they cost $10, $12 million, we saw that the Rams were willing to part with a lot to get Christian McCaffrey. So I, I don't think that there's anybody that we can take off of the table to potentially help Matthew Stafford next season. So tell me which of these names... Uh, maybe stands out to you to the most these are free agents potentially you know a couple at the top will be getting the franchise tag and definitely some of these guys will be extended and never hit free agency but running backs we know are more likely maybe than any other position to be allowed to test free agency and hit the market last year I know Rashad Penny basically led the NFL in rushing for the last six seven games and nobody really wanted him when he was a free agent. He's re-signed after a week or something like that with the Seahawks for one year and $5 million. Uh, and then we saw why, you know, Penny is on IR. So there's always that risk here. Uh, but who do you like out of this group? We got Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, who wasn't traded, Damian Harris. Penny is going back on the market, Raheem Mostert. Uh, Devin Singletary, Jeff Wilson, Mark Ingram, David Montgomery, uh, Daryl Henderson will be one of the running backs uh, hitting free agency. Tony Pollard, who, you know, has uh, maybe played his way into that franchise tag for the Cowboys as they will most likely release Ezekiel Elliott, which we can get to next. Uh, Jamal Williams, Melvin Gordon, Dante Foreman, who's just been going off since Mr. Christian McCaffrey was traded. Durnis Johnson. And then I see some potential cap casualties with Ezekiel Elliott, 
Um, Aaron Jones, who I mentioned and I wrote about not long ago because he's got such a huge uh, roster bonus next year. Um, Leonard Fournette, Chase Edmonds, Naheem Hines, Gus Edwards, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, potential trade options. Um, and Elvin Kamara, maybe a trade option. Out of all of those free agents, anybody that stands out to you? Well, I think running backs have gotten a bad rep in recent years, especially from the analytics community. You know, how much do they really matter? How valuable are they? And in a lot of ways, the Rams contributed to that the crash of their value by extending Todd Gurley before his contract was up, overpaying him and never really reaping the benefits of that contract. So uh, the running backs are back in the NFL, especially if you have a particular skill set where you can serve as a receiver. And if the quarterback goes through his reads and is forced to check the ball down, turn that check down into an explosive play. And there's only a certain amount of running backs that are able to do that. The first thing that comes to mind is Saquon Barkley. And you named you, he was on your list. And I, I would be, I think that would be a dream type scenario for the Rams. He can do everything Christian McCaffrey is doing for the 49ers, except maybe he's even a touch more explosive than McCaffrey at this point in their career. Uh, the problem with that is he's a free agent. He's probably going to get franchise tagged. That number is, you know, eight or $9 million. So uh, the Giants would be crazy not to keep him in the fold at that price tag whenever that's, you know, a mid starter on the offensive line or, uh, you know, relatively speaking, that's not a lot of money for a starter in the NFL, especially whenever he's the focal point of your offense. But, you know, someone like Kareem Hunt would be of interest, too. I wish the Rams maybe would have made a move at the deadline for him. But he has a lot of tread on his tires, especially dating back to his days in Kansas City. Uh, but he, he's a good runner. He's a physical runner, can get out in space and be a receiver, too. So whoever the Rams bring into the fold, I think that's really the mold you have to be looking for. But also something that concerns me is, you know, I don't think Stafford excels in the quick game the underneath passing. And whenever I watch the 49ers and how they're using McCaffrey with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Garoppolo is perfectly content to check the ball down and let McCaffrey work in space. But are you, are we sure that Matthew Stafford would be willing to do that routinely and he wouldn't be overly aggressive and try to fit the ball, you know, in the short intermediate down the field. Uh, I don't think he's ever really been a quarterback that gives a lot of a high volume of passes to his running backs. And I'm not sure he ever will be, even though that's really where the trends of the NFL are headed in today's world. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think definitely running backs get a bad rap. And look, I mean, of the teams that are being successful, right? I mean, I mentioned some of those names. These are some of the the top rated running backs in the NFL. You know, Miles Sanders on the 7-0 Eagles, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott on the 6-2 Cowboys, Saquon Barkley on the 6-2 Giants, Dalvin Cook on the 6-1 Vikings. Um, and we're also seeing teams that just suck right now, like the Bucks and the Rams. These are two of the worst running teams in the NFL, maybe two worst running back rooms in the NFL. Um, if that's just coincidence, you know, I mean, there are ways to mitigate every lack of value. Like, you know, some teams don't have great quarterbacks like the Giants, you know, so it's like. There's always a way to mitigate some of that uh, value and, and running backs and a quality running back like, you know, Nick Chubb in Cleveland. Maybe they're they're getting something out of him. You know, the Titans are five and two. They're not getting much out of most players other than Derrick Henry. So if there's some way for the Rams to find a running back of that caliber, you know, like, again, in the division, you've got the 49ers now have Christian McCaffrey. The Seahawks may have found a gem in Kenneth Walker. And, uh, you know, that's something that the Rams can definitely 
look into. I see a report as we're recording this from Tom Pelissero that the Rams did turn down offers for Cam Akers and that they want to work with him to come back for the team. What are your thoughts as we just get this news now of seeing Cam Akers back out there this week against the Bucks? Well, I hope they're able to put their differences aside. I'm not sure it really benefits the Rams to cut him. Even though you save about $2 million this year, I think, in cap space or maybe between the next two years. So uh, there is some cap savings whenever your team has a minimal resource available in that regard. I think it'd be beneficial, but I think it'd be a disappointing end to this saga for the Rams to outright release him, bring him back in the fold, or maybe wait till this offseason to move him if you have to. But um, I think Sean McVay's always had a soft spot for cam makers on a personal level. I think he really believes he can become a workhorse, uh, number one running back, work you know a heavy workload as a starter but we just haven't seen that come to fruition not sure we ever will after that significant Achilles injury he hasn't looked good even whenever he's had the opportunities and the blocking's been okay um I hope the Rams can work out their differences with Cam Akers but I'm not sure it's going to make much of a difference over the second half of the season yeah we've seen Cam Akers have 51 carries for 151 yards, averaging three yards per carry. We've seen Daryl Henderson have 50 carries for 197 yards, averaging 3.9 yards per carry. We've seen Malcolm Brown come in and have 12 carries for 25 yards, which is a 2.1 clip. We've seen Ronnie Rivers have nine carries for 21 yards, which is a 2.3 clip. And we've even seen Brandon Powell take seven handoffs for two yards. So uh, not exactly any of that working out. Do you think you see any difference uh, in the change from Kevin O'Connell, who's who's six and one with the Vikings and, you know, similarly getting those, you know, he went from Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup to Kirk Cousins, a guy he's very familiar with, and Justin Jefferson, who is one of the few guys in the NFL who can potentially, you know, win that triple crown just like Cooper Cup did a year ago. Thoughts at all on the offensive differences? Do you think there's any change there? I'm not sure how much Connell gets a praise or gets the benefit for leaving in the Rams struggling, but I think Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that can make the most out of Dalvin Cook. And whenever things open up down the field, he's you know somewhat pathologically conservative where he's okay checking down to the running backs. And if Dalvin Cook was on this roster, I'm not sure he'd have the same impact. But uh, it's definitely something to think about. And I don't know where the Rams go for here, from here, to be honest. But uh, whenever you make a central focus of the offseason to improve on the ground and in the running game, and it looks it's performed at this level, which is you know putrid, it's reason to be concerned about, you know, the performance of this coaching staff and how things shake out uh, moving forward into 2023. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to diagnose. And we know that Sean McVay, you know, uh, comes down to, and most of that stuff comes down to McVay. And, and we also know, hey, look, this is an offensive line that is down to reserves, sometimes deep reserves, sometimes free agents uh, starting on the offensive line. Other than Rob Havenstein, there's been no continuity. And that's really going to be LA's biggest probable focus, you know, uh, moving forward. But I also want to bring up the fact that we're in November and Odell Beckham Jr.'s reported return date this season would be sometime in November. Uh, So I would assume that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is talking to teams, uh, has been talking to teams, um, has been, you know, waiting for that, that perfect opportunity to strike. And now that the trade deadline is passed, he knows and his agent knows who doesn't have a receiver, who needed a receiver. And as more games pass, as more weeks pass, uh, similar to waiting to sign with the Rams until he knew like, okay, this is a Super Bowl competitor. You know, OBJ has got that opportunity to look around the league at the midpoint and say, okay, you know, I want to be on, you know, for me, all the check marks for OBJ when the Browns released him last year was, you know, does he respect the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the offense itself? Does he respect the quarterback? Um, Is the team good? And will he get opportunities? Um, And the only thing really that was surprising about the Rams being the team to sign OBJ was the fact that they already had, you know, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, you know, there were enough receivers there that you would think eh, if, if OBJ isn't quite up to speed, you know, he may fall behind. And then we saw, you know, by the end of the year that the Rams really needed OBJ uh, because, you know, coincidentally, Robert Woods got hurt right after OBJ was signed. So it's an opportunity here for OBJ to do that again. And I'm looking at the Bills. I'm looking at the Titans. I'm looking at the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Bucks and the Saints and the Vikings and the Packers and the Cowboys and the Giants. And I'm seeing a lot of teams that could probably convince themselves and OBJ could be convinced, hey, you know, I might be able to slide in here. So for a team like the Rams that's three and four, struggling to protect Stafford, struggling to get off those passes downfield, struggling to run the football maybe struggling, you know, to get into the playoffs. Uh, JB, do you see any chance of the Rams signing OBJ? Well, I think if I try to put myself in OBJ's shoes, which is probably a crazy thing to do, it's one of the things I think is dependent on his return, potential return to the Rams is, what do you think of Allen Robinson? Do you think he's a great receiver that's, you know, the offensive struggles are uh, keeping him from reaching his full level of potential? And, you know, he, why would OBJ want to come to the Rams at that point whenever, you know, he thinks Allen Robinson's a good player and he's not producing at the level he's capable of. Uh, how am I supposed to be successful in this situation? But, you know, maybe OBJ is also looking at it and saying, you know, Allen Robinson's not taking the bull by the horns. He's not making the most of his opportunities. I'm going to come in. I'm going to be the perfect compliment to Cooper Cup. And then as a three-headed monster, maybe four-headed monster with Van Jefferson, we really can take this passing him to the next level. So, uh, depending on how you're looking at it, you could probably go both ways. But I think just based on the Rams being three and four, this offense has been among the worst in the league. Probably he's going to be enticed to go elsewhere and to one of these top contending teams. But we'll see how it shakes out. 
Yeah. Speaking of, yeah, where he could go, who are the top contending teams? You know, when I know that uh, there's a lot of teams that could, you know, make a pretty good pitch. And, and I mean, I'm still not convinced like that OBJ is that, you know, there was just this image in our head of this guy that he was in 2013, you know, but at the same time, was he super helpful to the Rams in the red zone and in the playoffs and when all those injuries happened? Absolutely. And I think he can feel comfortable knowing, Hey, if I didn't get hurt last year, I would have gotten a, maybe a, maybe I would have gotten a bigger contract than Allen Robinson. I mean, Allen Robinson's contract was based off of really a past that we hadn't seen for quite some time. He wasn't any good with the bears in 2021. And and there were a lot of excuses we could make for that, but he had an injury history and he was inconsistent. And now we're seeing Allen Robinson, you know, just not live up to that hype. And, and, you know, if OBJ, could he have signed a three year, $54 million contract or something like that? I think he maybe could have, if he didn't, you know, get hurt at the end of the season. And if he was just fully healthy, he could have said, look at all these things I did. Maybe he would have even had Super Bowl MVP or something, you know, he was playing well enough until the injury. So I look at it and I say, Hey, look, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, similar to the Rams last year, you know, you were six and one, uh, they've got four, a, a three and a half game lead, but they've got four fewer losses than the Packers and the Bears. So the Vikings are going to clinch the division maybe by the end of the month, uh, you know, so they're about to clinch that division already. OBJ could look at Justin Jefferson and say, oh, there's my Cooper Cup. I just play off of him. Adam Thielen is like Robert Woods, where you're just not sure, you know, at his current career stage, how valuable he is or how long you'll hold up or or when you might get your opportunity. You've got Kevin O'Connell, a guy that OBJ knows. Uh, He's got Wes Phillips as the offensive coordinator, another guy that OBJ knows from his time with the Rams. And maybe he could be convinced, hey, look, I can make Kirk Cousins look as good. I can help him win a Super Bowl, just like I helped Matthew Stafford. So uh, thoughts on maybe OBJ and the Vikings? It's not a fit that I was, that really came first in my mind, but I really love it. And I'm not sure Thielen, you know, his best days are behind him. I'm not sure how much left he has in the tank. And that'd be a dangerous combination between Justin Jefferson and OBJ. You might even bring the best out of Kirk Cousins whenever he has, you know, the running game with Dalvin Cook and the short underneath passing. So, and they also just got TJ Hawkinson, right? So that's pretty a scary thought for that too. So I think one thing about OBJ that is worth mentioning is that just based on his performance last year with the Rams, his body control along the sidelines, uh, in some ways, the things that he's great at are going to be more sustainable than just having like long, deep speed. And we're kind of seeing the same thing with Allen Robinson. He can go up and attack the ball, but maybe he doesn't have the speed to stretch the field. And OBJ kind of operates in the same way with after all these, if these injuries have taken their toll and you don't have the same physical attributes, you still have the body control, the catching ability, and you can still contribute to an offense here in 2022, especially as offenses are kind of contracted and forced to utilize a short passing game. I think his experience in Cleveland, uh, he's going to go to a good fit, a product, passing game that's already being productive, somewhere where he maybe doesn't have to be the focal point, just because those years in Cleveland were wasted years of his career. You only get, you know, your career is only so long to begin with. And, you know, you take such a physical toll, you have to make the most of the opportunities that you get. And, you know, I think Minnesota would be a great fit. I think that maybe because he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to be the focal point there. It gives him a benefit over maybe your division foe 
in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers. So maybe he's more prone to go to the Vikings and the Packers just because he can be a complimentary piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another team that, you know, like the Rams may have thought they could be in the LBJ running early in the year because they had uh, the quarterback, they had the Super Bowl. Um, a recent Super Bowl championship would have been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but the Buccaneers are three and five and the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, you know, having even a guy that uh, doesn't usually not doesn't usually show up until November, but a guy that really turns it on as Chris Daniel pointed out in our last podcast, when November gets going, uh, which will be of course this Sunday against the Rams on November 6th. Uh, But the Buccaneers have lost five of their last six games. They've lost to the Packers. They've lost to the chiefs. But they've lost to the Steelers and the Panthers as well, and they're just coming off of a 27-22 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Their only win in the last month and a half has come against the Atlanta Falcons, and the team is 25th in scoring, 32nd in rushing yards, 32nd in yards per carry. These are the two worst rushing teams in the NFL, probably. You've got Leonard Fournette and Rashad White as the running backs. Um, and whether or not they would have wanted someone like OBJ, you know, even though they've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin um, and they signed Russell Gage in the offseason, not having the the years that they had really expected going into the season, of course. And for a team that also added Julio Jones, who has 97 yards in the three games that he's appeared in, you know, someone like OBJ could make sense. But for now, this week, there's no OBJ. There's just the Rams and the Bucks. There's Brady versus Stafford. There's two teams that went into the year as NFC favorites and two teams that know that if they lose this game, they might be uh, cashed in, you know. So uh, what is your initial reaction here to this Buccaneers team? Is it the one that's got Tom Brady and, and uh, you know, was in the super won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, was potentially on that way, if not being stopped by the Rams in the divisional round round last year. Which Bucks team do you think will show up? Well, I think both the Rams and Bucks lack identity on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, this Tampa Bay offense, it it's just not functioning and it's disjointed, it seems. In a lot of ways the Rams are the same way where, you know, you don't have the running attack to take pressure off Tom Brady. And, you know, he's kind of just getting rid of the ball as quick as possible because, you know, they've had some injuries on the offensive line, similar to Los Angeles, and he just has to get rid of the ball to protect his hide. And, um, yeah, this Bucks team doesn't scare me much. I don't think this defense is aggressive and as scary as it once was. You know, you still have Vita Vey in the middle, but not much else around that. You know, Devin White is kind of a liability in pass coverage, even though he's a really good blitzing linebacker. Kind of reminds me a bit of Alec Ogletree with the Rams back in the day where he's going to make some splash plays and really draw you in and excite you. But if you watch every play that he is in on, you're going to be disappointed in the grand scheme of things. So uh, this Bucks secondary, you can get on top of them and get after them. Uh, it might it has an opportunity, whatever team comes out on top of this, to be a get-right game. They can capture that momentum over the second half of the season. But it's shaping up to be a match between two desperate teams. One of them's going to go into the tank, and one of them's potentially going to save their season. Yeah, I, I it's it's really hard to you know it happens, but it's really hard to rebound from three and six or something similar to that. And uh, you know the Bucks would be three and six if they lose this game. The Rams would be three and five if they lose the game. Um, whereas 
you know, four and five or, or four and four, plenty of football left, plenty of opportunities moving ahead, but it really feels like this game. And we said this week after week, you know, it's, it's getting to that point where, you know, against the Panthers, it was like, well, this may not be a must win game, but it's definitely a can't lose game. And then we saw the Bucks lose to the Panthers the next week. So they did the can't lose game 21, three to PJ Walker. And then you've got the Rams, you know, they, they just get by the, the Panthers and then they have the bye week. And then you say, okay, here's the 49ers game. You lose this game. You're Owen two in the division or not Owen two in the division, but uh, one and two, but then Owen two to the 49ers and you're three and four. And, and now you've got this, hole to climb out of so once again it's like the rams week after week are going to be looking at it as hey you know one more loss could be the the final nail in the coffin uh and the rams have lost three of the last four to the 49ers the cowboys and the 49ers which again like playing the 49ers that's a game that they so rarely win that is that making it seem like the rams are worse than they actually are because things are in a, a vacuum on the other hand we're halfway through the season almost, and the Rams have only beaten the Falcons, the Cardinals, and the Panthers. Um, I don't even know. Like, JB, what is their most impressive win this season, do you think? I think it's shaping up to be that Falcons game just because they might be in the driver's seat for this NFC South, and whoever wins this division might end up with a losing record potentially. And uh, the Falcons, even though the Bucks beat them, it was a close game. I think they only scored like 20, 21 points to come out on top of the Falcons. But um this division's looking pretty soft. Yeah, it's uh, such an, a, a weird season. And uh, yeah, it seems like the Falcons are the best team that the Rams have defeated this year. And they've lost 31-10 to the Bills, 24-9 to the 49ers, 31-14 to the 49ers, and 22-10 to the Cowboys. So I think maybe a bigger concern than, you know, have the Rams beaten anybody is, have the Rams been competitive against a good team? You know, the 49ers, they weren't competitive against the 49ers. They lost by 12 and they lost by 21 in their other two losses. So those are, I think, 10 plus point losses, double multiple score losses are maybe the, one of the most concerning things on a schedule, you know, because it's like, oh, you lose by five points, two points, seven points. These things happen, uh, but consistently losing by double digits is is where the bleeding needs to stop, that teams that are good feel like they don't really have to put in 100% blood, sweat, and tears to get a victory uh, at the, you know, with everything that they've got. You know, it feels like they're just, teams are just able to dominate the offensive line, to dominate the Rams when they try to run the football and to, you know, attack that defense where they're being given opportunities to attack it and just wear down the defense until the third, fourth quarter, especially that first fourth quarter, you know, the Rams are just tired and, and they don't have the ability to, you know, make those stops at the end of the game that would give maybe the offense a chance. But then again, the offense isn't really giving the, the defense any chance at all by not being able to score. And uh, the Buccaneers defense has definitely been their strength this season. Sixth in points allowed, eighth in points per drive allowed, um, sixth in passing yards allowed. And they're maybe a average, below average run defense, whereas a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl, they were the best run defense in the NFL. 
And I think one of the, the big standout players for the Bucks this season would be nose tackle Vita Vea. He's got four and a half sacks in eight games. Um, he's a guy who seems like he's just getting harder and harder to stop with each year since he was a uh, first round draft pick a few years ago. Um, there is never going to be a, you know, as far as I'm concerned, another Aaron Donald, you know, he's just kind of that one guy. Um, but we're always kind of wondering, is there going to be another defensive tackle that comes into the NFL and uh, sort of dominates to the point of getting defensive player of the year consideration perennially and putting up monster sack numbers? Any thoughts on on Vita Vea and uh, a standout player on the Bucks defense? Yeah, that running game, yeah, I think we talked about this with the 49ers. The run defense is a little weak, but you didn't take advantage of it at all, especially with Eric Armstead out. I don't think you're equipped to take advantage of a weak run defense uh, this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers either, even though we might see the return of Kyron Williams potentially. But, you know, it in a weird way, you know, Fletcher Cox, um, Chris Jones came into the NFL around the same time as Aaron Donald. If Donald would have left a void and, you know, never have happened around the same time, we might be talking about those players as two of the best uh, inter- in interior defensive linemen uh, in the league. And, you know, Vita Vea is maybe part of that next generation. He's a great pass rusher, too. And, you know, Brian Allen, I have confidence in being able to handle him. But whenever you think about Ode Abushi and Bobby Evans, uh, Evans has been hands down the Rams' worst offensive you know player this year. Um, I'm shaking in my boots whenever I think about, you know, Vea matchup one-on-one or lined up over the top of Evans, I think that's a pretty concerning thing for this Rams offense. Yeah. hundred uh, percent predictions for, you know, how this game is going to go. Cause we've seen the Rams and the bucks play year after year. I mean, they played in 2020 in Tampa Bay and the Rams won that game. The Rams had, you know, pretty much no issues with the bucks in their two games last year up until Tom Brady's uh, comeback. Uh, that was just snuffed out at the end predictions for, for the Rams and bucks. Yeah, I'm interested to see Todd Bowles' defensive game plan against Matthew Stafford. If they go heavy on the blitz, I think Stafford's going to have a relatively good day just because he's savvy enough to know where his outlets are. And, you know, he's relatively good against the blitz. But if the Bucs decide to drop defenders back in coverage, that's really been the kryptonite for this Rams offense and um, forcing them under the quick game and the underneath throws. That's not something that they they do particularly well. So if the Bucs come after Matthew Stafford, I think they'll have a good game. If they sit back in coverage, I think the Rams will struggle. So um, Matthew Stafford has to play a clean game, not turn the football over, not give away free points or put this defense in disadvantaged situations. So uh, the Rams have to come out of this game with the win. I think they will. I think it comes off the back of the defense, but also Matthew Stafford being opportunistic against Todd Bowles' aggressive style of defense. Yeah, I think I'm going to say something similar. I think – you can't really say that the Rams need to win because uh, if you're covering the Bucks, then what are you going to say? You know, the Bucks need to win. You know, both these teams, as we said, need this win. Otherwise, it's just a very big hole to climb out of. Uh, although for Tampa Bay, maybe looking up at the four and four Falcons, although I don't know, because, you know, the five and three Seahawks looking up at Geno Smith didn't seem so scary a month ago. So who knows uh, what that'll be. And plus the Rams still have two games against the Seahawks um, and they've dominated that series. So they, they could potentially lose this game and, and still find a way 
but uh, it's gotta, it's gotta come at some point, you know, and I do agree that the defense probably has a better chance to carry the the Rams through to a victory this week than the offense does. Uh, But, you know, Sean McVay really has to be of a Sean McVay level this week and moving forward uh, with losses, you know, we've never seen Sean McVay in a losing season before. We didn't even see Sean McVay in a losing record until this season. And now it's looking like if the Rams don't win this game, you know, that it's, it's just going to keep climbing and keep on digging a dig a deeper hole. So, you know, how would the Rams and Rams fans would respond and the media would respond if, if Sean McVay went seven and 10, we don't, we don't really know, but every coach comes, you know, feels the heat if they, if they post a losing record. So for Sean McVay, who's getting a lot of questions just because the Rams are doing so poorly on offense in certain situations, early downs, worst team in the NFL, running the football, you know, like I said, with the Bucks, you know, in competition is worse than the NFL. Tight ends and and and, and receivers, uh, that group could be, you know, among the least valuable in the NFL. When you take out Cooper Cup, everything else seems to be, you know, a net negative value so far this season negative net value with some of those draft picks. Uh, The offensive line could be the worst. The running backs room could be the worst. Um, So those are things where Sean McVay, you know, whether it's a personnel issue or a coaching issue, uh, the Rams didn't make any trades this time around, and there's no reinforcements that we know of on the way. So they have to find a way to make it work. And if they don't this week against the Bucs, you know, uh, then every single game, again, uh, it keeps, keeps hitting that must-win situation until the Rams either clinch the playoffs or are eliminated from the playoffs. So I will say that the Rams win this game. They seem to have done well against Tom Brady's Bucks every single time out. And I think since Tom Brady's Bucks, you know, if Tom Brady's Bucks were looking, you know, five and three or six and two or something like that, then it would be much harder to predict. But at, at the way that they've been playing, losing five of the last six, it's uh, it's so hard to expect Tampa Bay to be formidable uh, right now. That's it for this episode of the Turf Show Times podcast. Uh, JB, final thought here as we head into the weekend. Brian Allen was a big upgrade getting a healthy and coming back at center last week. Van Jefferson made his 22 debut, but wasn't targeted. Hopefully you see him a little bit more involved moving forward and uh, we'll see how that shakes out. You could be getting Coleman Shelton back in a couple weeks. You could be getting Kyron Williams back this week. So things might look a little bit different on offense over the next, you know, few games, but time will tell how that really impacts the schedule moving forward. That's it for this episode of Turf Show Times, the podcast. Find us on Spotify or your podcast apps. Hit subscribe. We'll be back every week with three podcasts. That's the This Midweek Show, the Last Minute Thoughts podcast, and a post-game reaction, instant reaction podcast. So hit subscribe and go to turfshowtimes.com. Follow us on Twitter uh, for all of your favorite, best, greatest coverage of the Los Angeles Rams.